Welcome back to the Tree XG podcast, where the expected fund levels are off the hook this week, and that's because we had an expected XG and expected three XG this week, but we only have two XG. Yeah, Jeff is down bad with a step throat. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, you go missing off this podcast enough. Please come back. It wasn't you; it was us. Anyway, let's move on straight away. We're underperforming like Brentford do every week. Brentford are going to stay in the league and probably in three or four to four years' time will win the Premier League or at least get into the top four where they're going to do that. Southampton will because Rasmus Ankerson is there. Colin, can you tell them really quickly who Rasmus Ankerson is? He adapted the money ball approach. He didn't uh, adapt the money ball approach. He did. He's not Brad Pitt. First of all, I just finished Brad watching Pitt that. introduced me to money ball, so that's... <laughs> I, that's funny that you say that. I just finished watching that movie for like the fourth time about an hour ago before you came over to the house. Good prep prep for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about the Oakland Athletics in this one. No, but seriously, okay, this week, who got the highest XG in the league? Cunnell, who do you think? You don't know. For the record, Cunnell doesn't know this. I know. From watching the games, I would have guessed Manchester City, but by the smirk on your face, I feel like it's someone a bit more exciting. No, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Manchester City got the highest XG this week with an XG, depending on what source you look at, of 4.00 plus. And we all know what score the game ended. So they underperformed. They underperformed. But that is probably because Raheem Sterling missed his maybe 10th penalty of his career. Very harsh on a team that won, actually destroyed another Premier League team. But anyway, we'll move on to who got the lowest XG this week. This is just getting us warmed up. I think the lowest XG this week was. You know, say someone interesting just based on it. Was it Crystal Palace against Brentford? The funny thing is, Colonel, and the scary thing, it's not interesting. It's Norwich. No, it's not interesting. Who was it last oh, week? It's Watford again. Watford again. Again, Brighton. Brighton do well in terms of their XG. Brighton do well in terms of XG, but you cannot keep consistently. Now, we've only taken it twice. This is only our second podcast. But you cannot keep underperforming an XG like this and expect Mm. to stay in the league. If this is the same situation, say they get four out of the next six weeks, and we keep saying it on this podcast four more times, I put your money on Watford going down. I promise you they will definitely go down. You're, I'm not talking about you're not, make a, you're not going to make a lot of money from Watford going down. The I know, but that's what I'm saying. Put yeah. a grand on it. I don't care if you get 100 quid back. You'd get 100 quid, wouldn't you? Yeah. That's 100 extra euro that's in your pocket rather than the bookie's pocket. The only, put it all the, on. the only contradiction I'll say to that is that, uh, just to be contradictory, go on, is, go that, is that yeah. Watford only need to outperform their XG for the next eight weeks. If if this, I would put take another argument and say if they do stay up, then put a thousand euro on to get relegated next season if that makes sense I agree with you Connell's looking at the long term game for the first time I'm in his life <laughs> but Watford will go down this season because it's not even a situation where it's like oh my god they're getting so lucky they are fantastic Watford don't look like they can win any game and they've tried it's not even like where Sunderland were underperforming in 2012-13 when did the Canio come in? Was it 13-14? Or they, they, had, they had a lot of weird seasons where they just about stayed but up. But it so. wasn't like that when Di Canio came in and it was like a burst of energy. There's no burst of energy. They've changed their manager twice now and there's been no burst of energy other than the 
4-1 victory over Manchester United which was wits I feel like that was two managers ago I think that was the first manager yeah Hodgson hasn't scored a goal yet with them yet and has he even come oh I forgot them? Hodgson's there wait a minute scratch what I just said about them <laughs> I don't know if that'll go down there I forgot Hodgson I think, was there I think they've had is no, it, they're, but they're gradu- they've had he's had a 0-0 nil, nil, a 1-0 loss and a 2-0 loss so it's just getting worse yeah it's just getting worse <laughs> back, back Watford to lose 3-0 to I think they're playing Aston Villa at the weekend uh, Stevie G at the wheel <laughs> um, what you call also this isn't a recommendation on betting or anything like that and that reminds me of an app I need to tell you about it's called and this is great for the listeners as well this isn't a paid advertisement either I just saw this on LinkedIn the other day and I thought it looked phenomenal I thought it looked class it's called Herd have you heard of it? no or Hurt or something like that it's where you go on and you put a you get like points it's like fantasy football but it's for all sporting events no. you go on and you like say Celtic are going to beat Rangers and people can go against that or with that so you predict different sporting events and you get points based on which ones you do it on and whoever has the most points in general you can join leagues and stuff I thought it was a great idea yeah. and it's a good alternative it's to like, betting it's, um, fantasy football it's kind of that same idea where you're fantasy football is you're basically betting on players to do well exactly so, yeah. they're pay always, us they're to always advertise this they're always popular pay, he's an Irish owner pay us to advertise this Anyway, let's move on to the big boys. Champions League. We've no real discussion for this. We've no real format we want to take this. But there's one way I was thinking of. And it's something, obviously, it's a bit biased towards. I'm not even trying to be biased. I'm not being biased at all, actually. I'm actually going against bias. Probably being a bit too harsh. Liverpool experience a bit of a culture shock when they play away in the Champions League. I th- Every time, like. I, I thought, as it said, it was, it was an interesting game. Because Inter Milan were obviously on top. But I thought... Individually, Liverpool defended quite well. Inter Milan knew how to get in behind them, but there wasn't many chances. Allison didn't make a whole lot of saves, you know. They did hit the bar at one point though, where yeah. they should have scored. Um, yeah. But then Klopp uses experience, and he made good subs and changed the game. Really, you we know? say first of all, we say Klopp uses experience, and the commentary get that as well. But they don't take into account the video analysts behind the sitting, probably behind the commentary team, feeding that down to Pep Linders who was probably making tactical adjustments in his head and then saying it to Klopp and then Klopp would pick up all the... Yeah, because I thought it was, it was a weird... Like, at the time, I was a bit confused by Fabinho going off when you're behind, but obviously it was some sort of... a lot. Uh, yeah, but a lot of them say it was due to fatigue as well. I think even... Yeah. Uh, what you call it? Harvey Elliott going off. You can see that was obviously tactical. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm not surprised at Harvey Elliott. It was Fabinho sober. Just someone who's, you know, been there and, and done that to take him off in such an important... the Champions League. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly taking him off Champions League winner um, anyway and Bobby where was I at again and, oh yeah and it was just it was um, it was just a like Liverpool's experience I think and, and quality kind of because Firmino it, it was the game was in the balance Firmino scored a great goal but why see, see the, thing, the situation though was why was the game in the balance we could see from the first 10-15 minutes I don't think you'll argue too much of this that, that Inter Milan if Liverpool were on form were there for the taking Liverpool were cutting them to pieces in the first 10 minutes and it looked it looked like a not a cakewalk and they were a bit vulnerable in defence early on Liverpool were but it was like yeah they're going to score in the next 20 minutes and it's going to be yeah. 2, 3, 4 and I, I think I think it, Inter Milan um, uh, dominated their midfield they got on top and they smothered them and I, I don't think I, I don't think Inter Milan played offensive enough offensive players to capitalise on their dominance yes yeah. But could you say that was because they were dominant because 
Look at how Inter Milan overloaded the wing. If you have the chance, just go back and watch the highlights and look at all Inter Milan's attacks. They came from outside of the middle, which allowed them to dominate in the middle then, if that makes sense. Yeah, they went out wide to come back inside. It they used Dumfries, who I thought was really, really good. Yeah, and Perisic, the two. Full Perisic is really, really yeah. good. Perisic just has a weird face. Reminds me of a lad who I used to know. He just weirds me out a bit. Yeah. But he's really good. He's been around for I wouldn't want him on my team. Well. <laughs> because of the way he lo- looks. It just, <laughs> just, he just reminds me. It's nothing against him, like his actual facial features. Just He reminds me of someone that I just... I don't, I, I don't need to think of. You know what I mean? They reminded me, Inter Milan, um, <clears throat> at times... They reminded me of uh, Sheffield United in that season. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way their centre backs move forward. <laughs> Inter Milan won Serie A last year. They're arguably a better team this season, losing Lukaku and even getting Ed and Jekyll in, who yeah. looks fantastic. <laughs> he with looked them. very sharp last night. Yeah, he's a brilliant player. He's one of the most underrated strikers of the last 10, 15 years, easily. I loved it. We will try and get his goal record up for next week or something. We keep saying we'll do stuff next week and then we won't even do it the next week. But this is something I want to do. Remind me when we are reviewing the podcast to get Ed and Jekko's goal record up and do it at the start of the podcast next week. Yeah. But Inter Milan are brilliant. They're fantastic. And Cunnell compares them to Sheffield. I, I was only saying because there was times when uh, who was it was De Vrij on one side and I can't remember who, who was on or De Vrij. On the, I can't remember. Two cent, the two centre-backs they push forward and I was just, I was just like, making a comment that's just to give a good reminder of how good Sheffield United were that year one of your golden <laughs> moments yeah Sheffield United were brilliant that year actually remember I remember before the Covid break they were uh, yeah it was after Covid they, they'd never really got back yeah after the whole team got Covid anyway um, yeah I just thought Liverpool looked a bit lacklustre you know who didn't look lacklustre I didn't catch the whole game but City City Um. City's game was 5-0 win 5-0 win 5-0 win over Akron and Stanley Jesus really good I don't know how they keep getting these easy teams in the uh, as, as the last 16 games go sure it's like those Portuguese teams always flatter to deceive you Liverpool was it last year before they took Porto I think it's every year Porto were moving well they won the, and they Porto. always start off really yeah. well against Liverpool yeah, and then somehow it's 3-0 yeah, and it's exactly, not half time that, and it's that like, literally couldn't have summed up the City game more it was Sporting started well they're like the fans were on it and then suddenly City just got in behind and it, it, it reminds me I, I always say like Sporting are probably a standard of a mid-table Premier League team when a mid-table Premier League team plays City they frustrate them but Sporting just went at them at them and City just demoralised them it looks them. great for 5-10 minutes yeah and then, then it's like the first goal goes in and the team is just so yeah City had game wrapped up by 60 minutes there wasn't really not much to talk about any really vulnerabilities there, there for for our Liverpool fans out there, I kind of hope. For City? Yeah. Did you see Sporting's XG? No. Because I was looking it up in, in preparation for this. Um, City, 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 half City it was 0. 0.16 or something. Oh. City's, to be fair, City City did score a lot of... Uh, like, they were quite clinical in that game, which is unusual for them at times. Uh, I think their XG was on like 2.4 or something. <laughs> quick uh, quick touches on anywhere else so I didn't see the Bayern game but um, I, I watched I watched the end of the PSG Madrid game um, I watched all that actually and, yeah. and uh, this no, is the last now. thing I want to talk about with the Champions League what did Real Madrid do in that game um, they were happy to take a nil nil why I don't know away goals don't count anymore away goals don't count anymore yeah. that is unfortunately it was, it was such a weird timing to do it because of last year there was no home and away games and they kept it. Remember, there was, there yeah. was neutral venues, no fans. They should have, 
inserted it last year and then this year people wouldn't have even noticed they would have just got used to it last year it made sense last year now it's well, like it's not about getting used to it it's a situation where Liverpool play like they do all the time like that and that's just the way it is but teams who are even slightly slightly pragmatic yeah. City, Liverpool Bayern PSG as well Um, no I'd go yeah, against PSG can be a defensive team if they're being picked off and they can be because other than the yeah. front three they don't uh they have a great team, obviously, but they don't have a, the strongest team in Europe without the front three. They don't have they don't have much effect going forward apart from the front three. Like <laughs> their, their midfield is messy. Apart from their front three, yeah. I said, like their midfield is very work kind of. They like, no, they've got they've a good team. They've got attacking fullbacks, but it's just not the best. It's not yeah. the best in Europe, but it'll do it well in the French league. But it's not going to do yeah. well. But when other teams who are even a tiny bit pragmatic, just a small bit, like Mauricio Pochettino's Spurs team. Who are who are a good attacking team? Who were a good attacking team? They'll be they, even the way it goes. They'll go. Yeah, we might just sit back. We'll go for the draw here because we're able for it. And Real Madrid were nearly, were nearly. I'm glad they weren't, but they're nearly. You know what Successful, I mean? Yeah. Congratulated. You know what I mean? Like, well done. You did the right thing by getting a nil all draw in Paris. I think it's it just takes away that exciting element. And for me, I don't like it. I think the away goal should be there. I think it's it adds to the competition. The only thing uh, yeah, you're gonna have it, a grudge against it for no, no, for no, a few years ago. I've no issues with the away goal. I think it makes sense. It it, it stops, it stops kind of like there's a lot of there's a lot of negatives to the away goal, but it, it as you say like it it brings it brings excitement. I mean, the away teams want to attack. It brings like, variety to yeah, the competition. It adds that extra little thing. It's just like something that was accepted. There wasn't a whole lot of backlash on it really like, no, 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 it no there wasn't yeah. I don't understand why yeah. they do it there's loads of things you could you could bring backlash over like the length of time for VAR calls or even in the Premier League for example getting the VAR calls correct <laughs> you know what I mean it's like it's like things like that cause controversy things like this no one really said yeah I don't understand then oh, I don't know yeah. So, I'm yeah. moving along just, away from just the Champions acknowledgement League acknowledgement to Mbappe anyway for his great goal Ooh. and and an acknowledgement to Salzburg for getting a draw at Bayern Munich. Yeah, but we know it's going to happen. Yeah, no, it's going to be fine. Now, the Bayern Munich. Yeah, the we're definitely going to come back here, and it's going to be like. I just was wanted. To, I just wanted to. And the team that's uh, favourite to win the Champions League is going to be yeah. out. And it's going to be like, oh. I, t- I just I want uh, I just want to do make a point on that. Don't, don't cool. ignore it. Don't ignore it. You know, just to show results. how random football is. As Cunnell and I are speaking about an hour ago, the match ended, or. 50 minutes ago uh, Rangers beat Borussia Dortmund 4-2 which is an absolutely insane result considering Dortmund have potentially a top 10 play, uh, player in the world he wasn't playing he wasn't it? playing no why injured ok a top 20 player in the world I'm taking him out of the top 10 because that you can leave that in because he is always injured yeah and he wrote anyway let's move along away from that the next topic of conversation is going to be our tweet of the week. And if you didn't listen to our podcast last week, our tweet of the week is that myself, Cunnell and Jeff have a group chat because we're friends on Twitter. If you want to join it, just DM. Where we discuss and we throw in tweets related to football that we like or dislike. They can be educational, funny, whatever. But we pick our favourite one and we talk about it on this podcast. Cunnell, today, this week's one is... A bit educational and a bit controversial. Talk to us about it. Read it out there. Credit credit the person as well, even though we yeah, don't it's know. good good research. Um, and a good lot research of, from who? I, I would have known um, about half of them that he said. Who said? Ali Maxwell. Ali Maxwell, good on you. Well done, Ali. 
So Ali says eight of the 20 current Premier League managers either never played professionally or retired before the age of 30 due to injury pivot to coaching. Um, so it's Thomas Tuchel. Tom, actually, just he, he does correct himself in a second tweet and say nine. So I'll, I'll call out the nine at once instead of saying it again. So it's Thomas Tuchel of Chelsea, Thomas Frank, Brentford, Ragnick of United, Hodgson of Watford, Bruno Lage, Wolves, Eddie Howe, Newcastle, Rogers from Leicester, Bielsa Leeds, and then Graham Potter from Brighton. Um, so I have to say, a lot of the younger managers on that list I would have been aware of, the likes of Eddie Howe, Brennan Rogers, feel like I'd heard about Tuchel and Graham Potter. Um, the older ones we wouldn't have known. <laughs> the Hodgson and Ragnick. And no. <laughs> I knew Bruno Hodgson actually because of, because of Liverpool and I properly yeah. loved him then because I thought he was going to win us the league. But yeah. it's, it's an interesting it's interesting how the younger people who get into coaching, there's a lot less jobs for ex-pros, I suppose, as a way of looking at it as well compared to a couple of years ago. They'll still get in there, especially the, in the, But even, even the likes of you know, Pep and Klopp, they would have started young enough as well. Like, and they, oh, completely. Yeah, they well, look, Pep had a different brain. Pep has a different brain. I saw that Simon Jordan thing during the week where it said... Uh, now, I like the I like the analogy where the points per game, yeah. but, but it, I don't like the end. He goes, Pep is a wallet or a wallet manager, yeah. a money manager. Oh, that, that, was, that was my point on that one as well, was that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fair stat, but it's like, I'm looking at one stat and I'm making this conclusion from this one stat. <laughs> you can't, you yeah. can't say that because a lot of the years, now look, you can say something about Messi being there as well, but a lot of the years of Barcelona, yeah. he spent little to no money or even bought players in who he didn't use like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I think he spent 70 yeah. million on 40 million plus Etu, which is around 70 million anyway. And then anyway. Anyway, we're that's not that's not the tweet that we were discussing this week. Yeah. Um, it was it was it was potentially the tweet, but we this one we felt this one was better. So anyway, yeah, getting back on the original tweet. So um, what do you think, Ethan? Then, as a young coach yourself, do you think there's more opportunities? Well, I'm not a young coach. I don't coach anywhere at the moment. This well, an aspiring young coach. <laughs> I'm not an aspiring young coach either. Okay, we can ask Jeff next week. As, <laughs> do you think? Move on. <laughs> do you think it's it's more that um, there's more opportunities, or do you think it's just there's better education at a younger age? I think there's better education for everybody out there nowadays. I think research-based information, this is getting way too much into what I actually do. Research-based education is coming way more into play and a lot of coaches who are getting grounded in that theory and getting a good knowledge of coach education rather than just football education and moving away from a quote-unquote old-school coaching methods are getting more chances now because people realise that it pays dividends. People realise that to be positive is a good thing. And I don't mean that in the sense of positive people. I mean in the sense of getting characters in who are positive and who play positive football and who are positive in their approach. Nothing's real like doom and gloom and this is the most we can do and this is our cap. And look, for some teams that will go against them and they, they could get relegated because of it. But they get relegated the other way as well. Just yeah. as much. I think. I think. Um, people just, as I said, it's a human nature. People are more motivated to learn. And like, if you look at some of the older managers, like that are getting kind of phased out, like yeah. Mourinho. And um, I know Hodgson's on that list, but like those Sam Allardyce, haven't he hasn't got a job in a couple of years because there's more options. There's more completely. Yeah. Better, like back, they, those guys did a job. They did one thing. They were very. It was effective if they had the right players. But now we've guys that have different ideas. Um, and it's it's challenge it's it's making then the other coaches there's like yeah I said there's like Mourinho and those guys that will will see a younger manager and we just say ah fuck him you know but these guys are challenging each other they're completely you know, they're, 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 they're these these yeah it's, managers. it's, it's, it's like a different era Mourinho like, yeah. was very good with young coaches you know what I mean he brought through Steve Clark 
Brendan Rodgers, um, Vias Boas, you know what I mean, while he was there, and, and I'm sure there's numerous others I haven't even mentioned who he mentored, but it's just having that closed mindset, I think that's a big one, and we're getting really technical with this, but people need to hear it. Yeah. you can't have a closed mindset in football or in sport you need to be open minded with your approach and a lot of these young managers are of course they have their non-negotiables like Stevie G mentioned a lot in when he was going in at Rangers or when he was going in at Villa whether that's successful we'll see but they are very open minded and they are willing to try new things and that's a big one in a podcast I listened to about Brentford Brentford are one of the first teams now this seems like basic knowledge now but they were the first to operate with throwing coaches, or one of the first. They were the first to operate with free kick specialists. They were the first to operate with sleep coaches. You need yeah. to be open minded in I your approach to trying these things. Liverpool won the Premier League in a year, or was it the year before where they won the Champions League? Got ninety seven points, arguably even an even better season when they had Thomas Gronemark. I think that's who pronounced them the throwing coach in, and where they got a lot of success from throwings that season. I think it was when they won the league. Yeah, I think I think it's it's kind of as you're you're making the point there, is that they they see they it's it's the finer margins. It's like I said in world at the minute, like all businesses of it's it's a small detail that completely were missed. Like before, it was like football was very black and white. Like it was very one way of playing. This is how you win. Now they're like, well, we can we can spot these opportunities to improve. As you say, and the big thing you talk about is your XG. If it goes up by point two because your because your throwings are more effective, then yeah. So these exactly. and even ways of almost um could be counteracting the XG. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of things we look at XG and we're very basic. They probably have. I know, for example, that XG goes even further. I don't want to complicate it to our audience, but it goes into expected shots, uh, expected goals after the shot has been on target, which is even more accurate in terms of measuring how good a goalkeeper is or how good a striker is depending on how high or low it is and same goes against but they probably have different formulas for that even you know what I mean yeah, they go even they've guys dedicated to that exactly and they counteract what these lads Mourinho and Sam Allardyce and all these old co- older coaches have been doing for years and that's what these lads are looking at in terms of stats Sam Allardyce is great with stats and strength and conditioning and sports science not discrediting what he brought into the country especially when he was uh, into the country into England especially when he was at Bolton Wanderers but it's just the game evolves, and if you don't have that open mindset to try new things, even if they sound stupid to you, it might not be like in Moneyball. Everyone was laughing at Billy Bean yeah. for, and if you haven't watched it, please watch Moneyball. They were laughing at him because they were, they were like, "We're going to use stats to measure success," and they were like, "You you can't do that. You you absolutely can't do that. That's ridiculous. How could you do that? This is back in was it the nineties? I think. Yeah. Oh no, two thousand and two. Two thousand and two. That was only twenty years ago." And people are laughing at it. Yeah, yeah. So it just shows, yeah, that obviously there's opportunities now, you know, and for managers, and they do have to obviously do their coaching badges and and get up there. But it's not just a matter of he was a good footballer, he'll be a good coach. Um, so that's interesting. So that's your Guardiola. But um, I promise next week we'll pick a more. That was a good educational tweet. There you We're go. Go for a fun tweet. That came from the heart, guys. Yeah. That came from he, the heart. He really, really, he, he didn't, as I said he, said, he said he doesn't want to be a young coach, but well, he's, really, he's, he's, he's getting there. Uh, okay, on to the last part of our podcast this week, the graveyard, where we discuss transfers that have cost a lot of money that just didn't really work out, and they got sent to the graveyard. We can't talk about transfers where the person is still currently at the team, Harry Maguire, 
but we can talk about and because it was a good transfer as well and because we can talk about literally high profile signings like Felipe Coutinho or Usman Dembele I haven't told you who this is this week no I now I came I came the two and I, 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 I one we won't be able to use again but you won't think it's that big a deal but it was big money at the time and it was a big transfer at the time but I'm going to tell you I'm not going to it's not him I just want to see the expression on your face I wish we had the camera for this I was going to pick David Bentley I wouldn't even know who Blackburn to Spurs 19 million in 2008 I didn't know it was a big transfer um, big transfer 19 million I knew, I knew we went for Blackburn yeah. I wouldn't have been able to speak to that because I didn't really know he played like his so. And at the time he was really highly rated. No, he was. I remember being. A, I, I used to put him on Liverpool and FIFA, and I didn't. Oh, he was highly rated. Yeah. yeah. I, I just don't. I can't, from my mind, I cannot remember how he did at Spurs. I know it wasn't well. I can't remember. He retired how. at twenty eight. Did he? Jeez. Yeah. After going on loan from Spurs to a team in Russia, and retired after. Okay. I picked the actual one then. Soldado. Soldado. Ooh, that's a good one, yeah. From uh, was it Villarreal? Villarreal to Spurs. Villarreal to Spurs for thirty million pounds. The man to replace Garrett Bale. Connell, he scored twice in his first two games, two penalties. Yeah. It didn't work out after. I'll get the actual stats up and talk to me yeah, about it's it. It's more recent one there. Um yeah, so as as Ethan said, this is I mean caught off guard with this. Um so I would have had kind of since my brother is a Spurs fan, I would have had some sort of insight into the frustration that Spurs fans felt with him. Um he was one of those guys that, you know, he, from my memory that he signed, yeah, I, I do remember him getting the two goals and everyone saying, oh, he's big signing, he's, <laughs> he's replacing Gareth Bale's goals. Then he'd disappear for about six months, come back, and he'd get a goal, and everyone's like, right, we're finally seeing the Soldado. And did he last two seasons at Spurs? Now, look, he lasted two seasons, that's yeah. on the money. Uh, Cause, cause I remember the, the, the same kind of thing that Toddy. Like he just needed time. This happens a lot when big signings don't do well. We need time. They, yeah. they, they always get time. It never it never works out. The only person it's worked out for is Firmino, because he was twenty eight million and he got time. But even that, it was only four months. But he got moved from he changed position a bit as well. Yeah, didn't he? Like, it was so four or five months. I'd written him off actually when he came in. Yeah. I seen him for the first three games. Big mistake. That was shows what I know about football. 11 goals in 36 games doesn't sound too bad we're not for a 30 million pound striker but it looks five like five of them are in the Europa League yeah so, so six in the Premier League but as you say six in the Premier League but two in the first two so you're looking at four how many in the Premier League next season four for Soldado yeah look at that one I didn't think he was that bad next season that was the year Harry why do that you was the year Harry genuinely, genuinely before we end this why it, do you genuinely think it didn't work out Spanish strikers Apart from Torres, which it didn't at the yeah, end, yeah. but Spanish strikers don't really seem to work in the Premier League. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Um, Bojan to a certain extent. Um, Negredo. Negredo. Okay. Morata. Morata. Ferran Torres. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a striker, but. You know. yeah, well, he is. For the sake of the S argument, I'll accept <laughs> No, but I, I just think. I know you're saying Spanish striker. Hosselu from Newcastle. <laughs> Dude, we're going way yeah. we're getting really into it now I he got Bojan's no I, I don't think it's Spanish strikers thing because I think these kind of players can do well like look France come from an even a, a, maybe a slightly tougher situation in their league but not completely tougher than the La Liga the La Liga can be a bit tiki taka but I don't think it's a complete 
culture shock. You know no, what I mean? It's going to sound really old fashioned, but it could be just the physicality. You know? I don't think so. I just think I think. But but more not not say the actual physicalities and they they can't handle it. It's the shock. I think be. what we've seen from some of them, them, them say they, they like a lot of them come out and say, uh, they get fouled like they, they they don't get fouled as much as they would in La Liga. Can it not be just? Can this not just be a case of though? Listen to this. Valencia twenty five goals, twenty seven goals, and before he came to Spurs, thirty goals. Can we not just say look at his goal records after? I know the 14 there isn't too bad, but it's not great. And that was in 2021 in all competitions. Can we not just say Soldado peaked into his physical prime in... Well, the one, the one thing I'll say is, is that... 13. Like, okay, he's kind of on a slight upward trajectory now. So, like, confidence is a big thing for strikers. So, it can take time to get that back. Yeah, but I suppose the systems, when they didn't work in any club, they're really stale looking. And they just yeah. look... Eh. It looked like Liverpool in in fourteen fifteen, just sideways backwards, sideways backwards. West Ham out muscle. You score three goals, yeah. we might get one from like a a skirtle header. That's how Villas-Boas's teams and Soldado probably just wasn't really set up for that. I don't think he also lacked pace, and he did. I know you're saying physicality. I'm talking more in terms of actual just. I no, I don't think his, it's like no. Actually, I'm talking about in terms of his actual just physic, physical nature, speed. Yeah. His strength, everything, and I just don't think that suited maybe the Premier League. Yeah. Maybe now, maybe in a certain team that's dominant, he'd do well. But just Spurs were at a case where they were going through a transitional Spurs, period. It wasn't the best time to go to Spurs. We can say that, and right now isn't a great time to go to Spurs either. But you know, it's Spurs. Don't go to Spurs. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, you sell Bale and you buy eight new players. You know, that's always going to be a, a challenge for a coach and also the other players. And as a human being, yeah. and we'll leave it on that point for there, guys. If you have any suggestions for the, for the graveyard, please send them on to us. We'd love to hear from you and see about any signs that you'd like us to discuss that just didn't really work out, or whatever you'd like to talk about, or if you just want me and Connor to stop doing this podcast and Jeff <laughs> to come back on his own, let us know that too. Thanks for joining me, Connor. No problem. Always a pleasure. Yeah, this this podcast was powered by the eCoach Club, your best and most convenient source of coach education. Please tell your uh, coaches about it. And make sure and to have fun. Need the money. <laughs>